Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Those words were written by Tom Petty, an artist that we lost just a few weeks ago. A very sudden and, and tragic heart attack. And, uh, and I don't know where Tom was with the Lord. I don't know where Tom Petty is in eternity. But one of the things that I always appreciated about, about Tom Petty was you knew where he stood. He sang about his convictions, and he sang them loudly. He, he didn't just reserve his convictions for himself in his private moments or just with the people that he knew well. He, you knew where he stood. He didn't reserve them just for his private life. And in that way, Tom Petty didn't back down. We've been looking at the life of Daniel in a series we're calling Life Before the lions. What does that kind of faith look like before the big challenges of life? How do you build that kind of faith? When we first met Daniel back in chapter 1, he was only 20 years old. He was plucked from his home in Judah. He was taken to Babylon by his captors about a, a thousand miles away. And every day, he longed for the day that he would be free. He longed for the day that he would be able to return home, that Jerusalem would be rebuilt, Israel would be restored, and he would be home. Well, when we meet Daniel in chapter 6, he is now 90 years old. And he is still waiting, and he is still hoping, and he's about to face the biggest challenge. We're there in Daniel chapter 6. If you want to use those blue Bibles in front of you, it's on page 743. Page 743. <clears throat> I want to begin just with the first two verses to kind of set the stage for what's happening here. Verses 1 and 2 say, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom the satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Well, if you've been with us up until now, you notice we have a new king, right? Did you catch up with that? <clears throat> in chapter 1, chapter 1 occurs in the first year of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is king until chapter 4. In chapter 5, we have a new king named Belshazzar, and now we have King Darius. Not only do we have a new king, we have a whole new government. We have a whole new regime. The Persians have come in, and they have taken over. Daniel has survived at least at least three administrations. None of them have been godly. And all of them have been just a little nuts. You know? Just a, just a little off. But no matter who was in charge, Daniel's faith never changed. He was always true to his God. And where he distinguished himself, in chapters 1 and 2, and by distinguishing himself, he was promoted. We still see that happening here. You read on in verse 3. It said, Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because of an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And the presidents and the satraps sought to find grounds for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection 
with the law of his God. We learned the story of Daniel and the lion's den when we were children. We learned that story because it teaches us courage in the face of opposition. And then we grew up. Some of us grew up. We mostly grew up. And maybe we were surprised when we grew up to find that no one really wanted to throw us in a lion's den. (laughs) There never was that big moment of challenge where we had to stand firm for our faith and say, I will not back down. I will stand for my God no matter what. That big challenge never came. When, When did it come? But maybe instead of that one big moment when we faced the the lion's den, maybe instead there were were a thousand little kittens. Little tiny nippy kittens with sharp nasty little claws that just every day scratched at us a little bit and nipped at us a little bit and just took little chunks out of us here and there. And instead of standing firm in the face of that one big challenge, we looked at all those thousand little kittens and we thought, you know really not that big of a deal. <laughs> I, I can put up with that. Nah, that's, that's not that big of a deal. I can, I can, I can handle that. That's, that'll be fine. I can make that one little concession to my faith. Thousands of opportunities to stand, but a thousand opportunities where it was too easy just to ignore them and take the easy way out. We may have learned courage to stand in the big moments, but did we learn courage to stand in the little moments? Did we learn the courage that it takes to stand day by day? What does a lifetime of faith look like? And how do we build that kind of courage? You see, that kind of courage isn't built, uh, isn't built, that that kind of courage is built over a a long period. It's built over a very long period. It, It comes from having character that can withstand complaints, the kind of character that withstands complaints. And we saw that in Daniel when he was. 20 years old, way back in chapter 1. Daniel's 20 years old. In in chapter 1, we read that Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food. He stands apart from the crowd. He's not willing to go along with others. And we're used to that. We're we're used to that with with young people. We're used to that with someone who's about 20 years old, you know. And well, you know, they're going to be a little defiant. We understand it. We think, well, he's an idealist or. She's just trying to be relevant, you know. And we, we, we look at young people about 20 years old and think, ah, they're just fine in their own way and, and they're trying to stand out. And... But you remember, <laughs> chapter 6, he's 90 years old and he's still doing it. At 90 years old, he's still making those kind of stands. He's still standing firm for his faith. And so we read there in verses 4 and 5, the presidents and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could not, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, Well, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. If we're going to get rid of this guy, we're going to have to do it on the basis of his faith, on the basis of his convictions. Jesus stood before Pilate. Pilate examined him. Pilate questioned him. And you remember what Pilate said of Jesus? He said, I find no guilt in this man. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy to go and appoint elders in all the towns and all the churches around Ephesus. And he says, I want you to appoint elders in all these churches. And he said, an elder must be above reproach. It's a word that means you can't lay hold of him. 
if, if you try to find an accusation, nothing sticks because this man's character is that good. Peter encourages all of us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, Peter says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles or among the, the pagans. Keep your conduct among the outsiders honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of His visitation. And, and you notice for Peter, it's not just enough that, that they find nothing that we're guilty of, that they find that our character has no, has no faults. He wants them to see our character and then glorify God. He wants our character to influence them to the point that on the day when Jesus returns, they're there glorifying God with us. That they'll come to faith. That's, that's an everyday kind of witness. That's an everyday kind of character. Not just one that happens to be there on that one day when we have to stand up for who we are and what we believe. That's the kind of lives that we should be living every day. Regardless of the challenge, regardless of the test in front of you, whether or not you face a lion's den, this is who you are. And that's what we see in Daniel. But what we also see is when, when Daniel proved himself to be that kind of person, they, they conspired against him. They conspired to specifically challenge his faith. We also saw that in Jesus. There was no guilt, and so they had to make stuff up to find things for him to be guilty of. But that's the character that we're called to, a character where nothing sticks. And that, just doesn't, that doesn't just develop in that moment when we're tested. That develops over a lifetime. So that when those difficult times come, we have consistency in our lives. We have the kind of consistency that can face those challenges. We read on in verse 6. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king, and they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. You notice they always say that. O King, live forever. You know, that's the way of just honoring him and saying, you're, you're a great king. Just, just live forever. Keep on doing what you're doing. And all the kings, all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governor, they all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. I sometimes wonder what I would tell Daniel if I were his preacher. Let's suppose I had Daniel in my church. I had this very, very faithful 90-year-old man who always shows up. He's there Sunday morning. He's there for Sunday school. He's there on Wednesday nights. Anytime the doors are open, this 90-year-old guy is there. His faith is amazing. And I've just loved working with him. I've loved being around the guy. And he comes to me and he says, I've got a problem at work. <laughs> well, he's 90 years old and he's still working. That's amazing. He says, I've got a problem at work. My boss won't let me pray for 30 days. For the next 30 days, I can't pray to anyone except my boss. What do I do? How do I respond to that as his preacher? Do I say, you know, Daniel, it's only 90 days. It's not a lifetime. Or 30 days. It's not a lifetime. Then again, he is 90 years old. So maybe 30 days is a lifetime. It's hard to tell, you know. It's only 30 days. You know, give it a rest. 
you know, you can still pray. Just don't make a big deal out of it. Just go into your house, close the doors, you know, close the windows. Jesus says that's the way we're supposed to do it anyway. You know, close the windows, go in your, and, and pray in secret. Don't, just don't make a big show out of it. Is that the kind of thing I would tell Daniel? What does Daniel do? Verse 10. When Daniel, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. <laughs> oh boy, he's not going to back down, is he? He's not going to back down on this. And I think the key is those last five, ver last five words as he had done previously. For Daniel, there is no wait it out 30 days. There's no cool it. People are watching. He won't back down. You know, there's nothing in your Bible that says you have to pray facing Jerusalem, right? I'm thankful for that because I have no idea which direction I would have to look. I think it's maybe that way. I don't know. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to pray facing Jerusalem. There's nothing that told Daniel you have to pray facing Jerusalem. It's not Mecca. We don't do that. But about a thousand miles that way was the Temple of Solomon where the very presence of God had descended and rested on that place. And Jerusalem may have been ransacked. The temple may have been robbed and, and all of those items that were used for worship, those items that were supposed to be holy, they might be in, in, the, God, in the temples of, of foreign gods now. But Daniel believed that the presence of God was still back there. And one day, he would be back there. And one day, God's people would be back there. Jerusalem would be rebuilt. Israel would be restored. And the presence of God, the presence of God had never left his people. Daniel's faith told him that. And so for 70 years, Jerusalem was his hope that one day his people would return. One day his God would be glorified in that temple again. And so it wasn't just that Daniel wouldn't set aside his practice for 30 days. He would not set aside his hope at all. You know, for a lot of us, consistency is not just about putting aside our practices. Although it feels like that's all it is. We think about the things that we could be more <clears throat> consistent in. I can be more consistent in my Bible reading. I can be more consistent in my prayer life. I can be more consistent in my church attendance. My church attendance. But there's something tied to those practices that we often miss. And that is that our hope is tied to those practices. It's not that our hope is in any one of those things. Reading your Bible doesn't get you more saved. Attending church more often does not get you more saved. You know that, right? But if you're not week in and week out, if you're not doing those things, if you're not here week in and week out building your hope, will your hope be there for you when you need it? Will it be there when all you have is your hope? There's a Scripture I keep coming back to over and over again. Every few weeks I throw it in another sermon just to see if it percolates, see if it does anything. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. It blows my mind, Tim, that in the, very, in the first century, in the first century, Jesus has just returned to heaven. The apostles are still alive. They're doing miraculous things. Wonderful things are happening. And in the first century, there were already Christians that were saying, you know, I don't really want to go to church today. You know, there's, there's a game on later, and I'll miss the pregame show if I go to church. Or, Man, the lake looks really nice today. How many days like this are we going to get? Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. I've said it many times, your consistency of, of being here, it's not just about you. It's not just about, about you. It's about encouraging other people. It's about encouraging other people who are here. It's about encouraging your kids. It's about encouraging your grandkids. Do they see the consistency of your faith? Do they see that this is important to you? And if they don't, what's going to happen when the challenges come for them? What's going to happen when... Forget about your lion's den. You may never face a lion's den. What happens if they do? Well, they have seen the consistency of faith in you that causes a consistency of faith in them. See, the lesson from Daniel's life, it's not just the lion's den. It's his whole life. And, and it's a lesson that we need, to, we need to, to live out for ourselves. And the lesson is this. Build your confidence now. Build your confidence now, and then you can stand firm when your trials come. Back in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was told, you have to eat the food that the king gives you. And he says, I won't do that because it will defile me. He stood, he stood up and said, I won't do that. He didn't back down and God blessed him. In chapter 3, we looked at last week, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're told you have to bow down to the image of the, uh, the, the giant gold image. And they said, if you don't, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. They didn't back down. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And what happened? There they were walking around unharmed and there was a fourth man bright and shining, looking like a son of the gods in there with him. So in chapter 6, Daniel is told for the next 30 days you can pray only to the king or you get thrown into the lion's den. Daniel <laughs> opened his windows to face Jerusalem, got down on his knees, and prayed three times a day as he had done before. And what happened? Look at verse 11. When these men came by agreement and found Daniel petitioning and plea, a plea, and plea before his God. Then they came near and said to the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he, he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that... It is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. 
And the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, 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 deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Let me pause and say something. You don't have a choice, I'm going to anyway. Uh, let me say something about this. This king is not a believer. This king is a, he's a pagan. He's a pagan king. But he is distressed because he loves Daniel. He has a Daniel in his life. And he loves this man. And so he spends the night fasting and praying to his gods for Daniel. I hope you have pagans in your life. I hope you have friends who are pagans in your life. And if you do, they probably love it when you call them pagans. My friends think it's hilarious when I call them pagans. I hope you have friends who are, who are atheists. I hope you have people in your life who are godless. I hope that they're counted as some of your dearest friends, people who, who have no relationship with God at all, because if you are good to them, they will be good to you always. They will love you with such purity and such honesty. They will hurt when you hurt, and they will tell you things like, you are in our thoughts. And that means a lot. When they're taking time to think about you, some of them, some of them might even try praying for you. What does Peter say? He says, live such good lives among the pagans, among the Gentiles, among the outsiders. Live such good lives that they see your good deeds and glorify your God. Where did Peter learn that? I think he learned it from Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds and give praise to your Father who's in heaven. But where did they both learn it? I think they both learned it from Daniel. I think they remembered it from Daniel. Verse 19, then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, 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 has he been able to deliver you from, your li from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, I wonder how long he waited before he responded. Give him a little, give him a little, just, just give him a little wonder there. It doesn't say he did. Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Keep doing what you're doing. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Read that last verse again. Because he had trusted in his God. I know there are times when you're afraid to stand up for what you believe. I know that peer pressure is not just something we have to tell kids about. I know adults experience peer pressure also. We, we all face it. But I want you to think hard. I want you to think back. 
What has living in fear of your faith ever gained you? What have you ever gained by playing it safe? What have you ever gained by not taking a stand for what you know is right? Daniel faces, he faced his challenge with confidence. That didn't come just that night. That started back home. That started long before he was dragged off to Babylon. But it's a confidence he built his entire life in preparation for that moment. Now, I can't promise you a lion's den. I can't promise you a big stand or a big show of faith, but I can promise you this. The God that you never abandon will never abandon you. Well, I know what's right. I got just one life. In a world that keeps on pushing me around, but I'll stand my ground and I won't back down. You guys can come on back up. I, I can't promise you a lion's den. I can't, I can't promise you that one big moment where you get to stand up for your faith. But I can promise you a thousand little moments, a thousand little nipping kittens uh, that will be all over you day in and day out, tempting you to, to take the easy way out. Tempting you to say, you know, it's just one little lie. It's just one little indiscretion. It's just one little sin. It's just, it's just one little Sunday. It's just one more little Sunday. What are you building within yourself today that will tell others who you are and what you stand for when that day comes? My Sunday school class has been learning a lot about Martin Luther this month. October 31st, we will remember the 500th anniversary of the, Re of the Protestant Reformation, 500 years since Luther made his stand. Luther was called to stand trial and give an account for what he had taught and what he had written and to renounce everything that he taught. Renounce everything you've taught, everything you've written, and you can live, or if you don't, you will be burned at the stake. And Martin Luther's response was, you've read my books. You've looked at what I've read, you, you, what I've written. You've heard me speak. And Luther said, here I stand. I can do no other. May God have mercy on me. Given the choice of life or death, Luther said, I won't back down. And you and I are here today in part because of that one ornery German monk. <laughs> one of the reasons we have music in church today the way we have music, one of the reasons we have music in church is because Luther knew that music has power. Not just, not just the power to teach, but the power to get inside of us. The power to, to stick with us. Luther said, you know, the plowboys out in the field, they're not going to remember my sermons. I, I know that's true. But the plowboys out in the field, while they're out plowing, they can recite the hymns. They can sing along to the songs. And, and those songs continue to work in them and, and do something within them. And so I've asked, I've asked the band to do something. I, I made a request. And I've asked the band to lead us in a song. Now for many of you, it's a song that's already in our heads. If you're my age, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, it's probably in there already. You know the song. You've heard it for years. If it's there already, let's use it. If it's there already, let's use it. Let it let's let it be an anthem for our faith. Let's let it be an anthem.
for the confidence that we have. And let it be a reminder that no matter who challenges our faith, no matter what challenges us, big or small, we won't back down. Would you stand with me while we sing this? Father, there is very little chance 
that there's a lion's den challenge in front of us this week, that there is every possibility that we will be tempted to make little concessions to our faith. Compromises that in themselves seem minor, but taken as a whole, they point to some big inconsistencies between who we really are and what we say we believe and who we will belong to. When those challenges come, big or small, give us the courage that won't back down. We say give us. We really mean grow in us. Through our faithfulness, enable us to stand even stronger for ourselves, for our families, for our community, and for our world. We won't back down. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.